0: What have we here? Welcome to the Wonders of Thedas.
1: Welcome to the Wonders of Thedas podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren.
2: And I am Jessica.
1: And we have another special guest, a very special guest, our official friend of the podcast. uh, Kismet Rose is on the show with us today. Welcome.
2: Hi, thank you. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for being here.
2: Finally made it.
1: Yes. Yes,
2: We've been working on this for a while. We knew we were going to make it happen sometime soon.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Slagging through the wilds of real life in order to get to the Wonders of Thedas podcast.
1: So here we are.
2: <laughs> I love that. I love that. We should keep that as a soundbite. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's how it felt, so...
1: Well, welcome <laughs> to the Wonders of Thetis. Thank you. Yes, yeah, it should be a good time. Um, so... Kismet Rose, why don't you tell us about yourself?
3: Um, Well, I've been gaming since uh, I was 16, and uh, that was a while ago now, actually. Um, And I very quickly started bringing things online as I was creating things for World of Darkness games and then Dungeons and Dragons. And I've ended up in Dragon Age recently um, as well pretty much whenever I start to make things I want to share and I want to create things that a community might be able to use or extrapolate from. And mm-hmm. and then I when I realized there wasn't much for the Dragon Age tabletop game out there, I was like, okay, I have to do a blog. Um, yes. <laughs> because Thank I, you
1: for that blog, by the way. It's ex- It's got a lot of excellent work on it.
3: Thank you. I'd, I'd actually like to get to it even more because it's a – it is a solid system and it's a wonderful universe and uh the fan community can really add a lot to it
1: so oh definitely
3: and that's you know and then i've, I've done some uh i've done some works that have been published and uh i've done some pathfinder compatible things my most recent has been my work on my book for the Drow of um which i'm oh, yeah. four Ooh. chapters into and there's like three more that i'm hoping to do <laughs> nice um it's all it's i think it's about 100 pages already um Ooh, man. and then uh recently not too long ago i had an article about D and bust magazine um which was an introduction to D for uh, bust magazine readers uh, excellent so yeah that's uh, kind of what i've been up to when i can battle back the demons of real life <laughs>
1: oh yes <laughs> the worst demons those demons are all lieutenant are all like uh, elite and boss rank
3: Yep. yes and they are every, everywhere it's always nightmare oh, yeah. level
1: you know, we're always every playing on nightmare mode yeah. definitely
3: especially this I year
2: I don't mm. have enough poultices for this world <laughs> no. and I keep drinking them it's not working out
3: <laughs> I yes absolu- That that's it that is it it's the life <laughs>
1: That's, it. That's they, it. They told us in childhood we had to drink the poultices.
3: And I, there's just not enough. There's not enough of them for this.
1: Mm-mm. Not enough elf root in the world.
3: No. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Maybe there's too much elf root in the world. <laughs> Way too much elf fruit in the world, but not enough I'm sure recipes. The, right, I'm sure the Inquisitor's companions
1: go. are quite sick of elf root by this point.
3: Oh, God. Oh, man. I just passed. They're off uh,
1: flight, fighting Templars or Great Bears while the Inquisitor's like, ooh, Gathering point. Yoink. Yeah. What are we doing?
3: (laughs) (coughs) I I pass it by now. I I can't stand it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. And uh, we have some things to talk about today that I'm actually very interested in, so I I think I've come in at a great point.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, we're very excited to get your input on this particular topic. I've been wanting to talk about
1: this too, yeah.
2: All right. So what is it and, uh, that we're doing? So, well, let's, let's tell what today's topic is before we move on to our right. uh, tragically empty.
1: A very surprisingly empty show, but at the same time, a very full show. We're going to be talking about realms and organizations. Uh, that particular rule set from the Dragon Age uh, core rulebook in, uh, near the tail end of Chapter 6, the advanced role-playing chapter. It's, it's a really cool rule system. It's a lot of fun. And we're going to be talking about it, telling you how you can use it, uh, how you shouldn't use it, um, how some folks use it, how you might change how you use it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's going to be cool.
3: Now, what is this about being tragically empty?
1: Well, uh, of course, we let's see. Right now, we've got no uh, news this week for our segment this week in Thetis. Um, yeah. We haven't gotten any. Uh, right, we haven't uh, heard anything about the Faces of Thetis book coming out or any possible Inquisition books coming out. Uh, Green Ronin is hard at work. They've got a lot of uh, sticks in the fire right now, and uh, they've they've released they've announced a couple of new projects, like their Sentinels of the Multiverse card game, and they've got they're making a new RPG that's coming out in the fall. They so they've got a lot of stuff that's going on right now, and they're a fairly small company, and uh, a lot of them are having some uh, legit and it's absolutely legit family problems. So a lot of folks have been away from work. So um, we're see We're sticking with them. We've still got the podcast going. We still got. So much to talk about. Dragon Age has got so much that we can just geek out about all the time and talk about how we can make it into an RPG. So we're still going to be here. Oh, absolutely. When you fo- yeah. When you folks hear about, when we, when we hear about uh, news about the Dragon Age RPG, you folks are going to hear about it from us. Yep. If you don't find it yourself.
2: So, no yep. news this week. So <laughs> why, why don't we consult our codex?
1: Oh, dear unfortunately our codex is empty uh today what? We, we've, turned, oh no. we've turned our pages to a blank page uh unfortunately we have no <laughs> questions for uh no questions from listeners this time or at least uh, if there were any i completely missed them i i couldn't find them but i i searched the boards quite thoroughly and i check our social media every day unfortunately uh no questions this time but that's okay um, we we're, miss
2: we're, our, our feelings aren't hurt or anything Don't worry we, about.
1: we miss we're you, Parcival.
2: We're fine Parzival, <laughs> where are you? It's okay
1: <laughs> are we, We're going
2: fine We're going to
3: have to go quest after him yes, right? And yes. then add him, add, right. Him, add him as an agent
2: to our inquisition
1: Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. That's
2: true yeah. I kind of feel bad because eventually he's going to have to run out of questions And we're still going to be <laughs> nagging about it
1: so. <laughs> We won't leave him alone We'll make a whole segment of the show and then just be like We've got nothing today. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Single tier. However. However, we've got uh, a little bit of something, something.
2: I was going to say, if you have a question about the Dragon oh, uh, RPD, thank you. And... Any question of any kind, send a message to Wonders of podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. That's him.
1: That's me. That's right. Thank you for doing the, the whole the whole spiel for me. That's I got really, it. very kind of you.
3: She she was waiting to do that. She was just she was right She's there. She's getting ready. I was yes. on it.
1: Boom. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, well, why don't we go ahead? Uh, we do have a little bit of something to talk about uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, we're going to open our books to the distant verses.
0: Do you ever wonder what lies at the
3: edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry
2: about on this continent. Of course, but...
1: <sighs> Welcome to The Distant Versus, Our Fan Creation Spotlight. We actually don't technically have a submission for today, but we do have something just as special. Yes. There is a, a call to action, so to speak. Uh, a member of the forums has pointed out that the Dragon Age has only about three introductory adventures under its belt, and free RPG day is coming up on June 17th. That number ought to be mended.
2: Yes, we um we don't so much have dissonant verses for you to read as we are requesting dissonant verses be created today. Definitely, that's a great idea. Actually, that's a
3: wonderful idea. Yeah,
1: um, oh. there's, so there's a sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, I was just thinking that uh, it could very easily be put into p- like PDF form. It could be Absolutely. you know widely dispersed for free RPG day and give people a taste of what the game is like.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Absolutely,
2: I think it's great.
1: So everybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, feel free to if you've got an adventure that maybe you wrote for a campaign that you feel like that you feel like putting it on, or if you want to write one in the span of time it takes from now till June seventeenth, feel free. There is a thread on the Great Ronin forums, roninarmy.com, dot uh, of course under the uh, Dragon Age threads. There's a thread that should be called uh, Free RPG Day Adventures or Free RPG Day Submissions something along those veins, Uh, give it a try. If you've got something or you want to write something, uh, feel free to post it, preferably like a link to it rather than posting the whole adventure in a single post Mm because that could be a bit hefty for the forums to have and a bit much to scroll through. Um, I know we'll be
2: probably submitting some stuff.
1: Yeah, I think we'll be submitting at least uh, a little something something.
2: Well, and who knows, maybe those of you who have been listening to the... uh... The live play podcast. Yeah. Maybe you guys will get a chance to play that for yourselves. Could Who knows? Send that in. Yeah,
1: I could throw that in. It's not really an introductory adventure. So that's much true. Because it's, it's level. Is all the characters are level six.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh,
1: right. Yeah.
3: An uh, an introductory adventure also doesn't have to be a necessarily a big long adventure. Um, right. It can just be a starting off point for somebody uh, to give them an idea of like a scenario to open up with, and then they can take it from mm-hmm. there. Um, I think some people get a, a little uh, put off by the f- that they're thinking it's going to have to be so much more work than it necessarily is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, an introductory adventure does not have to span all of Thetas. It doesn't have to right. feature all kinds of demons and armies and things like that. Um, but... Uh, it uh, it could actually be a lot of fun. It could, you could do a comic, a comedy adventure.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, yes. yes. Uh,
3: some you know something that's just for fun and that will give you an idea of how to use the system for free RPG day. Something that uh, you can show at a you know use at a shop um, where you have like a PG thirteen kind of audience, mm-hmm. even though it is a dark fantasy world. Um, if you're doing a more fun, lighthearted kind of adventure. You can yeah. you can do that anywhere, um, but yeah, like the uh, the people who are on the fringes of the great armies, um, you never know what they're going to be getting
2: into. Right. You know, it's or real.
3: spending their time running away from bears all
2: day. Um, I, so, mean, that I mean, happens. okay, that's actually you know what they're getting into because that's what they're getting into—it's running away from bears. There. <laughs>
3: uh, yes, but what will they stumble onto while
2: they're running away? Yeah, this one time you got trapped in a tower by yourself with all of your party members dead, so maybe you could write a story about that. Maybe I could. There you go. Maybe don't. That's just depressing.
1: That's yeah.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> you couldn't quick jump out either. You uh, had to face the music, uh, and the music was bare teeth.
1: The oh. music was bare teeth. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird day. Uh, <laughs> all my party members were unconscious, and I climbed to the top of a tower of a la- with a ladder. And the bear is just circling the ladder ever patient waiting for me to come down and of course i can't jump away because i'm in the middle of a combat i can't really like jump off the tower to try and get to a safe distance to keep running because you can't really run from stuff in dragon age inquisition (laughs) so i just had to go down the ladder and and accept my fate in the bear's mouth
3: so wait your part were they already dead the party members
1: everybody was gone
2: he had (laughs) fled for like a quarter mile it was impressive
1: (laughs) It was pretty, it was... It I'm was... not sure
2: how you got that far without getting mauled, honestly. No, no.
1: Of course, we had already, like, cleared an entire keep by that point, so we were low on resources. Just It was just bad timing.
2: Yeah, so, but you could do a comedy of error story <laughs> like that, I mean...
1: Just a run from the bear adventure.
3: <laughs> whoever... It could be fun. Whoever trips first loses, I... <laughs> okay, so. Advanced test, go!
1: Advanced test, constitution running.
3: <laughs> well, no, this would be a great opportunity for some adventures. <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely
1: maybe fewer bears
2: yeah fewer maybe bears. more bears maybe maybe you're a bear maybe you're a Everyone... bear and
1: you've got to catch the inquisitor
2: okay hey that
1: that <laughs> will work <laughs> that will work oh man
3: well it's kind of like uh the origins dlc um
1: uh, the <laughs>
3: where you played the dark spawn. <laughs> yes
2: yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> Except you play the Bears. The yeah. Great Bear Chronicles.
2: Exactly. You never know.
1: I mean, that sounds fantastic. Uh, if
2: one of if one of you out there manages to construct this majestic monstrosity, please, please, please send it to us. And maybe we'll even do a live play of it. I mean, oh, I would man. totally do a live play of that. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> oh man.
3: Perspective is everything. Exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> the spirits of wisdom have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, of course, uh, those adventures you will eventually, hopefully, find on the uh, on that submission thread on the Green Ronin forums. Uh, but if, of course, if you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content, or even send us your own, you can send a message to wondersathetuspodcast at gmail You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Kot the Protector on the Green Ronin forums. That's me.
2: That's you. Still <laughs> it is. is.
1: It is still me, yep. despite everything. It's still me.
2: <laughs> That's a very obscure game reference. You
1: just made. <laughs> I only did it because you'd get it.
2: <laughs> I, I love Undertale.
1: It's an important game.
2: Anyway. Hi. Uh, so I suppose we should move on
1: to the main topic. Step into those realms and organizations and uh, see what, may, what are they, where they may lead us. So this is our main topic for today.
0: Is it fate or chance? I can never decide.
1: Welcome to the main topic. All that you see is ours. We're going to be talking about realms and organizations today. When PCs begin to climb in power, they may find that they are influencing large groups, commanding armies, or even steering nations. When people begin to send their agents to affect others or to set traps for their nemesis and flunkies, it can become time to roll out the realms and organizations rules. To read them for yourself, you can turn to pages 141 to 149 of the core rulebook. The realms and organizations, like the rest of the RPG, are a simple system that is wide enough to cover, uh, cover countless situations in the endless intrigues of Thetis. We're going to give it a quick rundown and give you a couple tips on how you can use this rule set in your games. So, um, first, very basic question. When someone, when you say realm or organization, what's an organization?
3: Well, an organization in this game is a group that is larger than a party, um, mm-hmm. it necessarily, um. But it's not it's not always an army that's in lockstep. It can be a a group that has a a a looser structure. At least Mm -hmm. as far as I as far as I remember the rules, it covers quite a range.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's very it's a very broad definition. It can mean just about anything. Where there's a group of people walking at you, they could just be an organ. They could be an organization.
2: They should probably be more than maybe six people, though.
1: Right, yes. but those six people might have like 18 people behind them yes. who've got a couple of bigwigs standing behind them, and that's that's your organization. Yes. Um, they, the organizations have stats like the character. They are complete with ability ratings. They have their own focuses. Uh, and they have stats that mimic health and armor rating. They follow very similar rules to player characters, and they can even grow kind of like player characters. Uh, whether it's uh, Denrims Alienage, a Navaran Thieves Guild, a local militia, the city of Cumberland... Or any of Orlais' noble houses. All of these can be considered an organization, uh, and could be used to make the backgrounds of your games more intriguing without getting in the way. It's
3: a very smooth thing. It's a, and it's also a different level, a different type of play. It's true. Because um, you, it's true. You can use organizations against each other if your if your player characters are from different organizations or at the head of one, um, hmm. and. Uh, you never know you never know how you're, you can use them uh, so uh, this it, it reminds me of a I'm gonna date myself here um, <laughs> <laughs> of a much older video game now called sukoden um, which okay. Now, okay was for PlayStation I believe very very long mm. ago um, and sukoden had a level of play where you were building an organization with a stronghold and you had different people you could recruit with different strengths mm-hmm. and it just, and then you would put pit your army against other armies. And it was a whole different level of play that kind of took you out of the, the ordinary flow of the game. And it was a nice, it was a nice change.
1: I gotcha. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds cool.
3: Sort of like getting a breath of fresh air by zooming out.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, the wider view, and I, I think that that's what these rules can do for Dragon Age. Definitely, yeah, I agree. Um, and that's part of why they excited me a lot because, oh yeah, and they're but they're pretty uh, they're pretty easy to understand and pretty lightweight, so it's not going to bog things down if you know not everybody's into
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that Definitely. is one of the best things about I think this particular aspect of the game mm-hmm. is if you're going to have something like this that zooms out the moment it gets bogged down by really intricate rules and things like that it's so easy for it to start getting in the way of player the players getting to do what they want and get in the way of the actual storyline and you know, more people scratching their heads over you know how many times do i have to do this and that exactly to do you know it's mm-hmm. i think having such a streamlined or like organization system but that's I think that gives it much more of a chance for it to be used as flavor rather yes. than as an extra system on top of something else. It feels it's, like it fits rather seamlessly.
1: It is definitely built with uh, storytelling in mind for uh, helping catapult the players forward uh, and catapulting the story, story forward and giving it some context. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Well, I I also think it uh, it's a way to make all these groups and organizations that you see in the video games or that are mentioned in the book matter in in that it gives them what I call gamification it gamifies these concepts so they're not just a group well what can this group do for me well I'm just going to you know feel my way around it you can actually set those boundaries really easily and give them a specialization and make them a, a mechanical reality in the game Uh, definitely and Mm -hmm. in a lot of games that doesn't really happen or it doesn't it's very clunky if it does Mm -hmm. so uh that's that's one of the the things that i love about it um now you this group that you meet you're like wait a minute who is this group and you start to research them you're actually uncovering weaknesses and strengths that are laid out and mm-hmm. and then you can affect those weaknesses and strengths if you want if you Definitely. want to try.
1: So it becomes a lot more real in the in the um, in the context of a, a game because you are playing a game and it helps um, and it can it can help some players because it can give them you know like concrete uh, evidence and ideas that they can work on so they can make informed decisions and it can um, let's see but it does it's very good at um, letting it's uh, letting everything. Uh, kind of come together and giving you lots of contexts and giving you lots of uh, propulsion, but it stays out of the way. Yes. And it's, I really, I really, I really valued it for that. Yes. A lot of the Dragon Age systems honestly kind of do this, and, and <laughs> I think it's, it's all fa- It's all fabulous, and we'll, we'll talk about a couple of the other ones later, but today mm. we'll talk about organizations.
2: Speaking of those mm. how does an organization work
1: we'll get into some of those nuts and bolts uh realms and organization rules are made to be abstract and they're simple to speed things along allowing you to codify the push and pull of the powerful in Thedas and it can work in a multitude of ways but we're going to cover the uh, the basics the basics of the basics and uh uh the let's see the knobs and uh livers that you're going to be working with <laughs> you build organizations uh very much like you build a character. Uh, by rolling dice and or buying abilities with points. Um, all of the options for building PCs are represented in crafting a new organization. You can roll their ability scores one by one and then swap two at the end. You can uh, roll all their ability scores and then arrange them however you like. Or you can just put the number of put a number of points into each one that you think makes sense. Yeah, Especially now, last one. <laughs> if you're
3: running the game yourself.
1: <laughs> it definitely, yes. Yeah. That last one is definitely a little uh, tricky one for a GM to hand to players. Just, I mean, of course, if you trust your players to be reasonable about it, then absolutely go for it. But if all of the organization stats end up being three, then the GM might have reason to be suspicious when they when like when the organization starts.
2: Yeah, that seems a little off. <laughs> yeah,
3: the and it's really set up so that no one organization. Really covers everything like that, so
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
3: mm-hmm. no.
1: <laughs> but um, you'll use the it's um, so a you when you you'll roll like three d sixes and you'll add up the total and you'll even use the table at the in like uh, chapter one of the core rulebook that tells you what their ability score is going to be in that particular one. And what are those ability scores, incidentally? Uh, organizations use five ability scores as opposed to uh, the normal uh, normal characters eight ability scores. Um, so. Going down the list, uh, they are might, which is an organization's ability to physically affect change in the world, usually through military force, and um, they is also used to defend an organization from assault. Uh, organizations have wealth, which is fairly self-explanatory. It's an organization. It's money. Yeah, it's money <laughs> and goods and goods and services to trade. Uh, then there's influence, which is an organization's ability to affect change with politics, diplomacy, or favors, or tells you know who they're particularly good friends with, or who they can get some, uh, who they can, you know, grease the palms of more easily, or even get some help from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, intrigue is the organization's ability to affect change with secrets and spies, and to defend itself from espionage. Kind of, uh, influence kind of happens out in the open. Uh, it's, I mean, uh, if might is Cullen, uh, Josephine is influence. Leliana is the intrigue.
3: Yeah, that's ex- and uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, although mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, it, the wealth category would also be a bit more under jo- Josephine's purview. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Probably, yeah, yeah.
3: Because she, you know, she had a lot more influence in wealth and and getting you discounts and things like that.
1: She really that's knew true. how to. She really knew who to talk to.
3: Yeah, so she's the wealth and influence girl. She kind of mm-hmm. two two and one.
1: Right, she's that useful. She, and then, of course, oh, sorry, go ahead. She we really is. talk about intrigue. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: We should actually probably talk about intrigue. You didn't. Do oh, I, intrigue.
1: I said, I said a little bit about intrigue. oh Did you? Yeah. Uh, the to change changes, secrets, and spies.
3: And yeah, he said like Liliana. I mean, basically, yeah. uh, if you, I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> I guess I kind of went off on a tangent, but we're uh, not entirely foreign to those, I suppose.
0: No.
3: What you were it's saying, like you were things. saying influence is out in the open, and I think what you were going to say is that intrigue is underneath everything in the shadows. <laughs> uh, Thank it, it, you. Was that Thank where you, you were for going? correcting me.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going. Thank you for correcting me.
3: <laughs> I, I I wasn't correcting. I was just trying to go back, get back on the path. I, I just,
2: I figured I was going to help with that. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, we're all on the same
3: path, so there we go.
2: Yep. Correct. Uh, and of
1: course, uh, finally, um, organizations have magic stats, very much like characters do. It represents their, their magical potential, including actual magical, magical practitioners and banks of magical knowledge or magic items that they can uh, pull upon. And all of these, of course, have their own list of focuses they can take, which also add plus two to rolls, just like PCs. Um, feel and, free uh, to check those out in yes. the book that you bought. In the book that you bought, of course. Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> although uh their focuses are different um they, yes. they have different listed focuses than the player characters do um, yes mm-hmm. that is a good point because they are on a, a larger scale um and uh I, for, I forget how many focuses your group is supposed to have to start with but there is some there was advice for that
1: I think they start with two, and so. one of them one of them I think has to be in the uh, ability that has the highest number.
3: Yep, I'm looking at it right now. You're right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you you select two. Um, again, that merely does show your group's specialty. Your group is not mm-hmm. going to be the best at everything, so right um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: that, that kind of enforces that.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like your characters, you'll have to make uh, informed decisions about what you want your organization to do, depending on the direction you want to take with them.
3: And this might also lead to alliances with other groups that have strengths Definitely. that
2: you don't.
1: So, It's true. Mm-hmm. Gonna need to make some friends. Gonna have to bump that influence stat.
2: Those aren't the only stats we have, however, when it comes to organizations.
1: There's a couple of secondary stats that uh, will be tucked away in there that are also quite important to know. Um uh, organizations have a stat called stability, which is kind of like what character when characters have health. If it ever drops to zero the organization falls apart and its members scatter to the winds, like a character who falls to zero hit points or zero health dies.
3: You see this in the video games sometimes when you have a group that you're up against, like some of the bandit groups, they're very mm-hmm. they're very strong when you first enter their area. But as you start, <laughs> as you start whittling them down, they're not able to replace their members quickly enough. And they start losing camps and things like that, and they just start mm-hmm. to they start to just get destabilized, and eventually they disappear. If you kill enough yes. of them,
1: mm-hmm. once that stability hits zero, they're they're gone.
3: Yeah, so that's a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I think so.
1: Um, the next secondary uh, ability is called structure, which represents how well organized and coordinated the, stru- the organization is, um, and it reduces damage to stability very much like an armor rating does for a character
3: chain of command yep if exactly. you folks
1: know what they're doing and they've got good leadership skills then they can they can then that organization can take a beating
0: yes um,
1: uh and finally oh, sorry
0: go
3: ahead
1: <laughs> finally uh the um all organizations have a thing called scope which is uh very important and it tells you how broad the organization is and uh what kind of reach this organization has we start small, uh, with a local organization, might be a local gang in town, a small chantry, a Dalish clan, a small avar hold in the Frostbacks, a town council, or an underground cabal of blood mages that only operates in one area. East- local is, uh, yeah, like, a, like a, maybe like a city block or a really small or a really tiny town.
3: You see a lot of those little groups, uh, especially, uh, throughout the various games, um, again like all these little bandit groups that Mm -hmm. uh they're having a hard time they've banded together for their own benefit um Mm -hmm. but they don't go very far they're staying in their area and they don't if they try to go too far away they're not going to have any support so
1: right there's only like a dozen of them so they do what they can at the local level yes uh, the next step up from a local is regional. Uh, these organizations are more in the realms of noble houses, Templar garrisons, uh, individual circles of magi, or small militias. They have influence in a region that may be a specific geographical area like the Benorn, or maybe uh, uh, like, uh, like in Ferelden, or maybe uh, the fields of Gislane, up into Vinter, uh, or maybe the Brazilian Forest, perhaps.
2: Hey, we got, but we're. we're I mean, you guys are, are bigger a, than we're that. Several right? steps. You guys, up you from guys there. started at regional. we're much more powerful Mm -hmm. now
1: they may be you know a specific area or they might be several settlements that band together yes
3: and if there's only one or two you know real powers in the region then that can make them even more powerful in a way because they're the only ones to really
2: go to
1: Mm -hmm. so it can represent those alliances that we were talking about maybe organizations kind of start squishing together into a larger power
2: yes like the dalish and the uh emerald uh, brotherhood yes right right Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, after the step uh, after the regional step is national these organizations are the major noble houses like the pentagasts uh, national guild houses popular mercenary companies like the ash warriors national militaries or even the chevaliers they have reach within an entire nation and they, it's, it's a, they're a force to be reckoned. If you're standing in Orle, then you probably know who the, or- the, the Chevaliers are.
3: Yes, and a lot of other people in other places than Theras are gonna know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, but all- they may not
1: necessarily be able to reach everybody.
3: No, but you'll have you're more likely to have a reputation if your group is at the national mm-hmm. or the regional level. Um, if you're if you've got a small little band that's local, only the local folks are probably gonna know about you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. like for example, at the uh, at the Autumn Falls, there's you know you can have a character there that is Chevalier, and everybody seems to know what that means. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You may not have any power there, but they know what he is. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: they know what they know what the title means.
2: Yeah. Means he's a jerk. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds historically accurate.
0: <laughs> Never
3: mind. Um, and of
1: <laughs> and of course, the uh, ultimate step for an organization is these world scope. These are reserved for entire nations like Orle, Navarro, or Tevinter, or Antiva, or organizations with impressive resources that stretch all across Thedas, like the Chantry, or the Grey Wardens, or even the Antivan Crows, although they may be on the lower end of that.
2: That's
3: something else to keep in mind, that uh, there is a bit of a scale there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, mm-hmm. That, yeah, like, the, the Chantry has so many members and so much of a presence you wouldn't necessarily think of them in the same category as like the antique crows that don't have nearly as many members.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But
3: the crows are... The chantry everywhere. is the biggest. Yeah, but the crows are everywhere. It's just just fewer members. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, and of course, the Grey Wardens operate on a lot of fame, although there may not be necessarily a lot of Grey Wardens at any given time. Right. Right. Because but, they keep dying or something.
3: It's yeah. what they're made for. <laughs> kind
2: of. Oh, wait. It's almost like
3: that's their
2: job. They don't tell they don't
3: tell you that when you sign up, but that's what you're No, for. they don't.
2: <laughs> they really don't.
3: <laughs> they
1: get a lot fewer sign-ups if they did.
3: Typical recruitment tactics.
1: Yeah. Very um, in lead.
3: But they do have their legend. Uh um, It's true. And not I mean and the the Chantry has its own legend. The the Antiven crows have their uh their oh, reputation. Yes. So so yeah, there's a nice, mm-hmm. there's a nice spread there.
1: Definitely. Um, we'll give you a couple of examples uh, from the, uh, let see, from something very small to something that's a little larger. Uh, we've got two organizations here. Um, let's see, the first one is a local organization uh, called the Blooming Rose. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> 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 if you've played Dragon Age Origins, you've probably visited it once or twice. It's a, uh, it's a fairly big deal in the Kirkwall's high town.
3: Yeah. You go there multiple town, right?
2: times actually.
0: Yeah.
1: You uh you're very in, busy. In there. Origins? Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Dragon it, Age Two. Dragon
2: Age. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say Origins? Isn't that
3: the Pearl
2: or something? Yeah, it,
1: in Dragon Age Origins they have the Pearl. That's
3: right, it was yeah. the Pearl. It was the Pearl in Origins. Uh no, in Kirkwall it's the blooming rose. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Which is a lot bigger than the Pearl and a lot more impressive mm-hmm. than the Pearl.
1: It's got a lot more money than the Pearl.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, which is what I tried to reflect when I was doing stats for it.
1: Because
3: mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was such such a nicer place than the Pearl. I was it's like, true. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, and so yeah, for me, I, I figured wealth was gonna be their 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 key category. I it mean, makes sense. They're a wealth building organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, they have a a specialty in treasury. But also because they are this kind of higher-end brothel experience, um, and they also have the the tavern and everything, and there's people who are always there, I gave them an influence of three, Mm -hmm. um, and that they they knew with a specialty in state, which means that they know a number of politicians and government people.
1: They probably have quite a few, uh, like, common, uh, familiar faces from uh, the higher-ups.
3: It seemed like that from the game. It it did seem like, uh... Not not quite, uh... An open secret. Um, Mm -hmm. but that plenty of people went there. Uh, and then when I... I believe... I rolled up these stats, I I came up with a generator, um, to to try rolling up stats, and I think I used that for the Blooming Rose and just moved things around. Um, they have an Intrigue of 2 and a Might of 2. Um, They've got some secrets, but that's not their—that's not their main goal. And
0: mm-hmm.
3: they have some guards, but honestly, there's not that many. And a magic of one, because you really don't see too much in the way of any kind of magic there. Mm-hmm. But they probably know somebody who's
1: right. got magic. Maybe they call Anders up every now and then when someone gets a rash. Everybody calls Aww. Anders. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Everybody, Everybody calls Anders for their rash, and then they wonder why he's so upset all the time.
1: <laughs> why he's so dang grumpy
3: he is so angry
2: nobody wants to be the rash mage you know it's, it's not the title you're looking for in love.
1: Oh, i didn't need that image you started it i did didn't i you did i bring this on myself
3: but uh, no that's chances are yeah they know somebody that they can call in if they need some magical uh you know some magical or poultices or something like that right um mm-hmm. And uh, a structure of three is what they have, and mm-hmm. uh, a stability of of thirty five. Um, mm-hmm. and it's uh, good,
1: but yeah. it's good—not too—not too, not too incre- incredible. But it is—I mean, it, it's it's a, it's a local business, and yes, it's it's pretty healthy stability for a local business. Yeah. Hence the local scope. Well, mm-hmm.
3: and it's been a while; it's been around a while. I gave yes. I gave it a history, so. It makes sense that it would have more of a stability.
1: Right. So, um, it's got good stability and uh, decent decent structure for a local because another local place. Because I mean, if people start trying to defame it, it's probably not going to work too well.
2: Yeah, chances are the people trying to defame it have left some secrets behind in mm-hmm. that establishment. So yeah, not a good idea. No, <laughs> don't, do, don't do it.
1: Don't do it. Not great.
3: Um. So yeah, that's uh. I I, I thought it was a a perfect thing to give stats to from the video games when I, when oh, I definitely. thought about it. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it turned out quite well. I
3: hope so. Um, I'm <laughs> hoping to use those stats at some point when I'm running. So. Gotcha. I like what you did though.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Uh, real quick. Um, what time, what time is your recording at? Should be like a little green arrow going up across the top of the screen there.
3: Um, a little green arrow at the top of the screen. That's red. Oh, me. red. Oh. Uh, 45?
1: Okay. 45, you're 45 minutes? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah, just, she started and... recording before we did. <laughs> All right, cool. just wanted to make sure we were still going along. Sure. Because sometimes, sometimes they just kind of, well, if you're me and you make a t- poor decision just before the recording starts, think the things just kind of stop.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we recorded an entire episode once. And then realized we hadn't recorded any episode and had to re-record
1: We it. recorded like the first 50 seconds of it. And we had like a whole hour of, of an episode that just disappeared. We just started the whole thing over.
2: No!
3: Oh,
1: that oh, was so crushing. God. Oh, God. oh, it was terrible.
3: I've lost posts like that before. Oh, so I, I
0: understand.
2: Yeah. Oh, and the last thing you want to do in that moment is redo the thing. Yes. But you have to redo the thing uh, uh, uh,
1: the episode comes out tomorrow. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna get any sleep tonight.
3: Uh, and yeah. then you're not—you have to try to keep your voice happy. Exactly. That was the <laughs> harder part. It's like I'm so happy to be doing this again when I tried to do it right the first time. But it's not your fault, audience. So I'm just going to keep pretending that I'm happy. Let's talk about Dragon Age. <laughs> this
2: is my desperately chipper voice. <laughs> Emphasis on so desperate.
0: Oh god.
3: Oh man. Yes. Um uh, but no, I I actually did uh I like what I see here for uh what you came up oh, with. Yes.
2: Well okay, let's clap so that we can
1: Oh yeah, so we know where to cut back then. Three, okay. two, two, one. Alright. Alright. So we uh uh whipped up a couple of stats for a larger organization. It's kind of it's 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 it feels a little uh, out of place for a world scope organization, uh, but it is kind of out of place on the world stage because it's the friends of Red Jenny.
3: Yeah, a very unique concept for a group.
1: Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so um, could be The friends world. of. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yes, yeah.
2: most. I, I feel like it's perfect to mention that the scope is world because people probably don't think of them as a world scope organization, and that's probably exactly the way they want. it.
1: They probably love it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, because there's like there's you know one friend in like every major city, and in, in like just about every major city in Thetis, and new members, you know, they get a city, and they're red. Then they're the friend, right, in that city. So there's really not a lot of them, uh, and they're not exactly, you know, like powerhouses. So their might is zero. Uh, mm. And of course, the friends of Red Jenny are were established as kind of like a like a like a world spanning Robin Hood organization. So they're all about, you know, getting the wealth and uh, the uh, comfort away from the rich folks who are wasting it and giving it to the folks in the bottom who needed it. Which so,
2: means that they don't have much. Which
1: means they have a wealth of zero. Yes, they haven't got any money. They haven't got much to spend, much to throw around. Uh, However, they get a lot of. They uh, do actually have a pretty decent reputation among certain folks. Um, so they have an influence of four. So if you mention the friends of Red Jenny, uh, especially because they have the common folk uh, focus, the friends of Red Jenny have a lot of pull with you know little people, as yes. Sarah as, as Sarah puts it. Let's see all. Let's um, all the folks you know on the bottom rung are going to very much appreciate what the Red Jennies do. So. It's easier for them to get a little bit of help if they need it, but they usually are the ones who give it. But, um, sorry, go ahead.
3: Always be nice to the servants.
2: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) They hear, they hear all the secrets. This of course, brings us to their intrigue of eight. (laughs) This is what the Red Jenny does. Um, they actually, um, I did a little bit of reading on them. They actually started as kind of like an Assassin's Guild in Denerim, uh, mostly out of the, uh, mostly like right after the Fifth Blight. Okay. Uh, So right after the events of Dragon Age Origins is when they kind of really started taking off. Like they, I think they kind of existed a little bit before then. But um, they were like uh, a local they were actually like a local sized assassinations guild, but they did pretty much the same thing. They attacked' you know, they went after people who were abusing their abusing their serfs or uh, stepping on the little people. and they took them out. They, they took them out. <laughs> um, however, once they started you know growing and expanding and going into uh, different cities and different nations and moving around and, Helping lots of other little people, they kind of moved away from assassination. So now they uh, have a focus in spies and secrets. They're still an espionage group, and they're all about infiltration and um, getting things away from people and getting things to the people who need it. So they they're real sneaky.
3: There's probably no. a lot more. Uh, there's probably a lot more safety for them in just you know dealing with smuggling and secrets Mm -hmm. and things like that. But if you are actually assassinating the noble folk, that's going to bring down a lot of heat on you and, uh, and and anybody who shelters you. So that might've also played into that decision. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? We've lost too many people. Let's, let's not, we don't need to kill them.
1: So Mm, let's
2: just take all their stuff. Just
1: take all their breaches.
2: Yes, specifically. All oh, their priests. Specifically. That's only Sarah.
1: I mean, Sarah loves doing that.
2: She really does.
1: Um, of course, with an intrigue of eight, they most certainly could assassinate some folks. They're just... They're not the Antiven Crows. No, no, they're not. They, that's not what they do. No. Um, and of course... They're not the Circle of Magi, either. Hmm. Uh, they're definitely <laughs> not the Circle of Magi with the magic of one. No. <laughs> so They have, a, you know, basic amounts. Of, I mean, you know, maybe some of them will grab a potion every now and then, but if... I mean, of course, and Sarah might be not necessarily, might not necessarily speak for all of them when, you know, she talks about her desperate fear of magic.
3: That's true. That's true. but the, She may uh, not
1: speak for all of them, but they're definitely not a magical organization.
3: Since they are small folk, uh, and mm-hmm. most people with magic do have a way of ascending in ranks in Theras, um, yeah, not many, not many magic users will be actually among them. They'll know. They'll not. know people.
2: Although I could see one or two uh, apostates being drawn to the organization. I oh yes, yes. People who can keep secrets, defend people like them, and help them keep their secrets. Mm-hmm.
3: You, you'd have to be very careful about not using your magic, but absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that idea. The <laughs> the, the servant yeah. girl, the servant girl that you didn't Oof.
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> can shoot lightning out of her fingers.
3: Yes. <laughs> You'd better not mess with the floor after she swept it. <laughs> I
1: said, you <laughs> asked her to draw the bath, didn't you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <clears throat> this got dark real quick. This got dark real <laughs> fast.
1: I mean, we are, we are. This is Dragon Age, I suppose. Uh, <sighs> next, uh, we uh, I gave them a structure of seven, which is quite high, uh, but I figured it made a lot of sense because of their utter lack of structure as the Friends of Red Jenny because there's I mean in a single given city there's maybe like two of them so if you make a plot against them and even like kill one of the Friends of Red Jenny it doesn't really affect the uh, the rest of the organization much because they don't really have a lot of contact with each other that's they, true. they stay uh, out of each other's business and you know if they find out that one person's died and they have a new they get a new member they'll just they'll send them to that city and it'll be like and it'll just be like I just killed Je- Red Jenny what happened Where, why'd she come back
3: there's a lack of those linchpins. It's harder mm-hmm. to find the linchpins, so yeah, absolutely, that makes a lot of Definitely.
1: sense. Definitely, I I thought so, and uh, and uh, of course because they have maybe like maybe a dozen or several dozen members at a time, uh, their stability is uh, is fifty, which is uh, for a world or for a world scope organization is pretty small.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there's there's not too many of them. Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, if you make a concerted effort, you know, you could really you could injure the Red Jennies.
2: Yes. Mm. Oh, yes. But if you went with from different cities at once mm -hmm. and tried to take them out,
1: of course, if you did, my Inquisitor might have a problem.
2: (laughs) You'd need somebody
3: like actually, you'd need someone like Leilana, Liliana, to find to find the Red Jennies. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Um,
2: uh, like we
1: said, the world scope. Right. And then, um, I was actually going through it and I realized that we could add some extra little toys, especially to an organization that's world scope. They've probably, they've got, they've got some experience, they've got some really talented folks and they've got some specialties that they excel at. So we included, uh, so I assumed that there were probably going to be at least, you know, one or two times or maybe uh, probably several times that they rolled something like, uh, uh, the best of the best stunt or the new hire stunt. And Sarah could be considered one of those folks who's, you know, the, the like uh, who comes the about best. from a best of the best stunt. Yeah. So, which means that they get discounts on performing some organization growth and, uh, and um, plot stunts. Cool. So, the Friends of Red Jenny can perform the Embarrass, Steal Asset, Surgical Strike, and the Undermine plot stunts for one stun point cheaper. Right. I I went through all the I I saw embarrassed. I was like, I gotta get that one in there. That's
3: something. <laughs> yeah, there's no way.
1: Jenny's are really good at that.
3: All oh, their breaches,
1: all of them. <laughs> way too many breaches.
3: <laughs> um, and no, actually, this is a, a good way to show you know that there is a a system where groups can grow, and they can also shrink based mm-hmm. on you know h- how you roll. Oh, definitely yeah so uh so that's one thing that I, I like there and i'm glad you included that i when i mm-hmm. did when i did the blooming rose i just did it in a default state without you know mm-hmm. looking into that
1: and that's mm-hmm. honestly probably how a lot of organizations are going to look so that's that's absolutely fine
2: and we didn't even know about that particular aspect until right. now we yeah. got to put it now we got to set it up for brasilia
1: and now yeah now we're now we're going back and having to fix up brasilia because brasilia is world scope now l i mean Brasilia's agents are everywhere. They're not. I mean, they're not. They're not gonna,
2: getting rid of us now. No, they're
1: gonna be having a hard time getting rid of them now. uh Oh. Um, <laughs> we are
2: eighteenth level characters. Try I it. Mean, <laughs> there's there's, oh, there's
1: three 18th level characters standing in Brasilia, so they're gonna give the organization some stunt point discounts.
3: Wait, that that's yeah, that's significant. Um, yes, yeah. yeah.
1: I feel. And so- their love interests are like at least fourteenth level, aren't they?
2: Yeah, all the love interests are fourteenth, fifteenth level. Something like that. So. so that's another three people that are terrifyingly mm-hmm. competent. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> terrifyingly competent. That's, that. yes, that's exactly what they are. <laughs> so they can, they can, so
1: they'll probably give uh, stunt point, you know, uh, discounts on plot or growth stunt points. Yes. Uh, like how the Red Jennys can perform the Useful Secrets growth stunt for negative, for minus one stunt points. Yeah. They can pick out a lot of secrets and all of our love interests can probably pick a, a couple of our love, the love interests in the campaign can probably pick out a couple secrets too.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, true. um, I know that, uh, growth is own growth checks are only made so many times. It's true. Uh, like I think it's once a month. Right. Um, so, I mean, it seems like, uh, these, if you have these head people who have so many levels and they're are the leaders of this group, um, only so like one of them at a time is really going to be able to step up and provide a, a any kind mm-hmm. of discount. Am I am I wrong in thinking that?
1: Um, potentially, yeah. Um, I could see it, uh, especially if like that character in particular is um, leading an uh, or like a some kind of initiative or standing at the forefront or is even one of the leaders of a particular um, initiative, like a plot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which, uh, yeah.
2: say so even with that, since you only make one per month, mm-hmm. it, you know, having each of the characters have the ability to reduce the stunt point requirements for mm-hmm. them, it kind of works out because you can really only do one growth check per month anyway. So. It's true. Yeah.
1: And um, especially, uh, it is worth keeping in mind that those stunt point discounts also uh, usually depend on that very particular PC or NPC being present in the organization. Yes. So if the PCs go abroad like they're about to on uh, on our game Some this of week, us are staying
2: home. Some
1: of us are staying home. But um, <laughs> two of them are, well actually two of them are staying home. One of them is uh, going to go have a chat with the Templars in the Circle of Major and that's going to be a really tense conversation. I
2: should be there,
1: but I'm not. uh... <laughs> Brasilia uh, has a lot of mages. You got like a magic of five and the mages focus. So there's a lot of magical people in Brasilia. Yeah, we need
2: them to not come in and try and like kill us all. The
1: Templars are getting very nervous. So they're wondering where where are you going to build a circle of magi there?
2: Well, it's like a circle. Think of it like an oval of magi. (laughs) An oval of of magi. magi. A rhombus of magi. (laughs) (laughs) a dodecahedron of magi. (laughs)
3: Um, <laughs> well, actually, um, one thing that is of interest to me, um, because I am not running my game, uh, in the current era at all, or even right. in places where the game has been held, because I'm running it in 800 TE, uh, Vinter which is pre-blight, any of the blights. Right. Um, one
1: thing You're in that, completely uncharted waters.
3: Yeah, which is on purpose. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I want my own dark ocean. Uh, yeah. But one of the great things is that um, you can use these organizations to build these places in Thedas that haven't been really uh, used as much before. Like if you wanted to have a game in Ravain,
0: mm-hmm.
3: we haven't really spent time in Ravane much in the video games. It's we, true. We've heard about them. We've met some people who are from Ravain. But as far as the country itself, and there's not much at it about it in the wiki, there's not much about it in the tabletop book. So if you want to create organizations for, you know, for Ravain and give them a real sense of flavor, that's,
2: you know, this is one way to really build that. Oh, yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's one of the best points about this is that it can really help you flesh out an era that hasn't been fleshed out and it gives you the power to do it all by yourself. Yes. <laughs>
1: and- and keep it with just, like, eight numbers, and that's it. And yeah. They're really small numbers. And none of them are going, like, past 20 or something.
3: Yeah, there's not a lot of fiddly bits to keep track of. Mm-hmm. So.
1: So. But they. Um, so uh, if we did want to use those fiddly bits. Yes. How would we go about using those? Um, we've mentioned a couple of them already. Uh, there are a couple of things that organizations are specifically used for. when you're going. To, you're, there are a couple of things that you're going to want to pull out the stats blocks uh, for those organizations. Um, of course, organizations roll periodic tests that are called growth tests. They represent the day-to-day expansion, advertisement, crisis management of the organization. And it's usually done over the course of a month, uh, but it can have longer or shorter intervals depending on the needs of your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, because our campaign is built very heavily around um, uh, establishing a nation, uh, that, that organization is very in, the very in the forefront of everyone's mind. So I think we roll growth stunts every week.
2: Yeah, because that's what we're focused on right now. We roll
1: growth checks every week.
2: You're in a growth spurt. Correct. And, and the group is
3: actually, the PCs are actively working on building it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then that makes complete sense. But mm-hmm. then, like it, for instance, if there's a really bad winter and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of travel and everybody's kind of hunkering down, there will be a slowdown. Or yeah. or if the PCs have to go off and really tend to other things and they're not able to really steer the group for a while, it'll still exist. It'll still be growing, but mm-hmm. not as not as rapidly. So that that makes a lot of sense. I like that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> um, I thought it would make it a lot more fun, especially when an organization is so important to the campaign. Um, now, well, growth stunts. Uh, say growth checks are really just. Making a test to make sure that nothing bad is happening, like, in the day-to-day running of the organization. Like, when you roll a growth test, it's that you roll the highest number, you roll the highest ability score, uh, plus 3d6, and you have to hit a 10. Basically just means that the organization goes on. Yes. So you'll roll these growth tests uh, however often you need them to, uh, and they just mean that the organization doesn't fall apart. However, if you roll doubles on uh, on these growth checks... Uh, you can get stunt points, just like you can do with most other parts of the, of the system. And um, you can spend those growth uh, those stunt points on growth stunts, which are on page... Goodness, I believe 144. It is... Thank you so much. 144. And there's some really cool stuff that you can get. Um, you can increase ability scores. You can get extra uh, focuses. You can increase structure or um, add or replace stability. Um, you can even get the PCs, uh, a couple pieces of equipment with it. Yeah. So those are a lot of fun, and it's also one, another good reason that I like to keep rolling um, lots of growth checks because it increases the chance to get stunts, and, and then the P- and then everybody's eyes light up and it's like, "We got doubles!" Okay, what happens to Priscilla this week?
3: <laughs> it's exciting, actually, and it gives, it, is. it gives everybody that that enthusiasm for a roll, which when mm-hmm. a, a roll is just dry, oh, okay, you add x amount of points. Whoa. You know, it, it feels it feels very dry. Right. This this avoids that. So oh yes,
1: stunts are fun. <laughs> stunts are. are a lot of fun.
3: They are a lot of fun.
1: Um, unfortunately, um, it is occasionally possible to fail in this test. Uh, there does come a point where an organization can't fail a growth check because it's it's target number ten, um, and if if your ability score actually goes up to like seven, uh, you can't fail the test. Uh, so. But um, of course, working up to a seven uh, would take a lot of time for an organization. So until that point, if you do ever fail uh, a growth check, the organization suffers some kind of mishap, and uh, it loses two d6 stability, um, and um, either its scope, structure, or any of its abilities drop by one, unless one of the PCs uh, under t- or, unless, or I mean as many of the pieces as the as they want. Uh, undertake an adventure to help avert the calamity that has befallen this organization, um, and there is a very helpful table uh, just above the organization growth stunts that um, lets you roll for organization misfortune. To uh, so that if GMs who are at a loss for exactly what happened, because you know you planned for everything else in the scenario, this just came out of nowhere, you weren't ready for this. <laughs> there's a nice. There's a little table here, so you can just roll on it, and the table will tell you what happened.
3: Yeah. And uh, at least give you an idea of where to start this adventure to avoid yeah.
1: the loss. Yeah, and you can just go from there.
3: See, I don't I don't necessarily feel like uh, the, uh, the opportunity to shrink is a bad thing. Um, especially if it engages the PCs and...
1: Definitely, yeah, yeah.
3: Now, if it's a, a hard-hitting kind of thing, then yes, it's, it's going to feel demoralizing. But mm-hmm. if, if it's not... Um, I, I've done something like this uh, when I've run D anD D because uh, all of my player characters they like to, um, they like to have uh, businesses. They have their own organi- basically their own organizations as well.
1: Okay, like each of the PCs has their own organization.
3: Uh, yeah. They, well, they all have uh, c- the cult leadership feat that I created for Indraul Corfera.
1: Oh, gotcha.
3: My my cult leadership feat um has some random rolling that you can do uh as regards your followers and what they get up to while you are off doing your own PC thing.
1: Oh, I like that. My
3: That's cool. my players actually have had even more of a positive reaction <laughs> to this than I ever thought they would. To um, their
1: allies plotting against them.
3: Well, actually to the mishaps. Occasionally. The mishaps that their allies, because they have just as much of an op- opportunity to get into a mishap as they do to have something good happen. So sometimes your followers will be like, "Hey, we we got this uh an invitation to this social event for you, you know, because mm-hmm. because they love you. Um, <laughs> they're they're your followers. Um, but the next time, like, if you had followers who are out at sea. If they're becalmed at sea, they're going to be unavailable for a while. Correct. Um, right. Most of the time, these mishaps they are temporary. They're not devastating, and they do give they give the PCs a, a chance to step in to correct the situation. Oh yeah. And it makes mm-hmm. it makes the people in their their groups more like people because they can fail as well as succeed. Oh yeah. Um, So I think that uh, instead of looking at it, the the possible misfortunes in a bad way, um, and and even sticking with the table for what can happen, Mm -hmm. it's a good idea to think of, okay, how could this be a fun mishap? Um, You know, how can, you know, how can the PCs get involved in this and actually really feel like they've made it right? And, uh, Really help their organization and kind of get a reputation amongst their own people for, you know, for being awesome and looking out for the little
1: guy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I like that. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, we so. definitely got some uh, weirdos in Brasilia that we can
2: mm-hmm.
1: step up into the front. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, no, We're totally definitely. normal. Uh-oh. So, um... <laughs> Speaking of some of those weirdos, the, those weirdos getting up to things. Uh, when an organization wants to put its resources towards accomplishing a goal, or affecting another organization, we roll in, uh, the next kind of thing that an organization does not play, which is plots. Um, plots are how organizations influence the world around them. Uh, plots can mean a lot of things. They can be like a simple raid in an enemy's caravan to national levels of espionage. Uh, most plot actions are usually simple opposed tests against another organization, like um, maybe they decide that, uh, maybe, uh, let's see, like, uh, Orlay like, just before the beginning of the, uh, the, like, the, the taking over of Ferelden, they want to, uh, collect some information first, so they make an, so Orle makes an intrigue spies test, again, uh, Ferelden, try, uh, let's see, can choose what it wants to roll, uh, instead, and they probably don't have very good intrigue, so they'll probably roll something like Mike Garrison, um, to deter, uh, so that they've got a lot of, you know, Big guards trying to you know, trying to keep watch. So mm-hmm. Orlay rolls its uh, intrigues, uh, intrigue spies uh, versus Ferelden's might garrison. And if you know uh, Ferelden history, Orlay probably won a couple of those tests.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and things didn't go very well for Ferelden. So um, well, let's see. Uh, you so they're going to be or opposed uh, tests. Uh, usually just a single opposed test against an organization for a specific plot. Uh, Whoever wins this opposed test deals damage uh, to the stability of the organization, Uh, and it is possible for an organization. uh, It is so. um, It is possible even for uh, an organization that engages a plot, and you know, like maybe maybe one of those uh, particular opposed tests. Orle sends out some spies, but the Templar, but the uh, Ferelden's might garrison catches them, and you know, like kills kills a valuable spy. It is very possible for. because if the plot is engaged, the defender can still win and actually deal damage back to the organization that engaged them. So it becomes so plots are the plots become very um, double or nothing.
2: Yep, especially you got to be careful about who you pick on if you're the mm-hmm. little guy. Yeah, because uh, you know if the winner, if you roll doubles, you get stunt points to spend on your own plot stunts. But oh, yeah. uh, if you're a bigger or smaller organization than the people you're affecting your plot on, that can affect the way things go because the bigger organizations get a plus two to perform tests against rival organizations for every step smaller.
0: hmm
2: So then, uh... But, like, you know, so that means basically that they have a way easier time of, you know, taking down the mm-hmm. little guy. Yeah. However, it takes more stunt points to actually uh, perform the stunts they were on the plot test just because... Mm-hmm. They don't gain as much out of it. Right. Right.
1: Um, of course, if the winner rolls doubles. They, there's a whole table of plot stunts that they can, uh, throw at their, at their enemies on page 145 of the core rule book. You can take a look at it for yourselves because you definitely bought the book, right? <laughs> um, so as an example, uh, maybe there is a, uh, like a national level, like, uh, in Orlais, like the White Spire Templar Garrison. There's a, a lot of Templars and they've heard about a, a local sized cabal of blood pages. Um, the Templars are a national organization in this in Orle, um, so uh, and this cabal of, of uh, blood mages is local. So in this example, because the Templars are two steps bigger than the uh, cabal of blood mages, they get a plus four to perform any organization perform any plot checks against the uh, let's say against those blood mages. But because the blood mages probably don't have much to offer them. Uh, they are gonna it's gonna cost four extra stunt points to perform any stunt from the plot stunts table uh, because the Templars, because uh, a lot of these stunts are, you know like taking things from them or uh, affecting them more heavily. and they probably don't need to affect them more heavily and they probably don't have much that the Templars could take. So stunts are gonna be more difficult to perform. Uh, on the flip side of that, if the blood mages get lucky and maybe they take out, maybe they turn the plot test against the, uh, the, the, uh, the Templar garrison, Uh, for every step that the Blood Mages are smaller than the Templar Garrison, uh, two steps in this case, they get a plus two on their next growth test and plus two bonus stunt points on that growth test, whether or not they rolled stunt points in the first place. So if they won, in this example, they would get plus four on the next growth test, uh, which would potentially guarantee that they succeed, Um, and they would get four bonus stunt points on on the growth test, which could also, you know, if they happen to roll doubles on that growth test, they may just grow by leaps and bounds because... We because this blood this cabal of blood mages beat up the templars. Maybe these apostates who've been running from the chantry are going to go run to them now, and <laughs> they're going to start growing. And maybe they got enough stunt points that they can go from local to they can go from like local to regional and
2: it could happen. Start growing and it's a major so victory, could,
1: right? That could start grow, make making things happen really fast. Um, so. So, as you can tell, plots are very all-or-nothing, they uh, they can change a lot of things really quickly, uh, potentially, so um, plots are usually kept to uh, usually one plot per game session to keep things moving and focused on the players, but this can be more or less depending on the needs of the campaign. Um, some plots are going to be a bit more involved than a single die roll, uh, and that's fine, go ahead and roll as many plot tests as you need for it. Um, and um, in the event that an action doesn't quite feel like the opposed uh, nature of a plot, um, there's a couple ways you can resolve it. Uh, you look at the organization stats and just the GM just decides, yes, they can do this, no, they can't do this. Here's how well they can do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the most straightforward way to do it. Just if they've got a good influence, they've got a good influence, they can probably uh, talk to the diplomats and get the favor they need they've got good wealth, they can probably buy lots of potions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the organization can also roll a test just like the like PCs do. The GM can set a target number and you can just roll 3d6s, add the ability, any relevant focuses, and use the Dragon Die to, to determine the degree of success. And that can be just as much fun. And, and that can also, of course, maybe... Um, rolling plot stunts on that one is a little... Funky, just especially because there's you're not really affecting another organization, and most mm. of the plot stunts you
2: can probably just ignore that. the plot stunts. Yeah, that point. you can
1: probably just ignore them. Um, and a very important thing to know about organizations is what happens when an organization's stability hits zero. You're
2: basically <sighs> devastated. Yeah, yeah.
1: there's uh, this. It's pretty much like a character is dying. Um, the organization's got nothing. Their members are deserting them. Their coffers are empty. Morale is all but non-existent. Uh, this can also happen if all the abilities, all the ability ratings of an organization fall to zero or lower. If this happens, the PCs have to go on a last-ditch quest to try and revive the organization. They can go find a magic relic, or they can save somebody who's been captured, or they can go find a new leader, or they can step up and be the leaders themselves. Whatever
2: it takes to revive the organization. Whatever it takes.
1: Uh, if they succeed on this quest, that organization immediately gets 2d6 stability or a 1 and 2 of their abilities. Instead of a zero, whichever becomes more appropriate at that moment,
2: mm-hmm. whichever but, one is necessary mm-hmm. to revive the organization. But
1: it's you know even even in failure, it's a, even in failure more story is told. So right. definitely look at it that look at it in the positive light.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's uh, it's not much, but it's a way to start over. Also, yes, you don't have to lose you know necessarily everything that you've done. Um. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there. All are ability
1: other... stores could still be there. Yeah. Just they just they just got a lot of surgical strike stunts on you.
3: Well, and I mean, if your people have been scattered, right? Maybe they're not all mm-hmm. dead. As yeah, you as you, you go, go and quest and find them, you might go find them. Yeah, go find them.
1: Bring them together.
3: They're hiding because they don't want to die. Um. <laughs> or yep. or they're refugees or you know anything like
1: that right that's how you. this is the point it. where uh cassandra pulls out the big book and says i declare the inquisition reinstated that's it oh
2: yeah that's there, it. You that's there we go there we go
1: stability hit zero on the on the chantry forces they brought they got to start over here we go
2: well and then you that's a good here. way to think
1: of it yeah they went on the quest the quest was to close was to stop the breach from growing yeah <laughs> rocking well,
2: not an easy quest
1: no, yeah, I kind
2: of feel like the end result of that quest was a little more important than adding 2d6 stability to the chantry.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
2: just just throwing that out there. I
1: mean, they added two extra abilities to new stuff, they made new things.
2: Well, there you go. Um,
1: so, um,. Getting more into like the uh, the abstract as opposed to the nuts and bolts, uh, the the cream instead of the fl- instead of the crunch, you know, uh, the fluffy out the fluffy outside mm-hmm. instead of the crunchy inside, or unless you do it the other you, way around.
2: You, you can keep coming up with metaphors. Or you can talk about it.
1: We're gonna talk <laughs> about um, what you can use organizations for in terms of like the greater context of a campaign. Um, the greater functions of organizations is going to depend very heavily on what you want to do with your campaign. GMs should de- uh, decide how they want to use this rule set uh, early in their campaign because it does open up a lot of doors and it does a lot of things. So mm-hmm. there's, we've got like three, three general ways that you can uh, use organizations. Um, you can focus very heavily on them In uh, campaigns like this PCs are movers and shakers and a grand political stage and plots are performed every session, probably more than once. Uh, The PCs definitely have their own organization, or they've chosen an organization to support in this game of intrigue and egos. Uh, There are dozens of organizations on the board, uh, possibly as many stats for organization as there are stats for monsters or enemy NPCs. Everything the PCs do is through the scope of this web of relations and plots, and their actions work towards the the goals of that organization. The campaign ends with the PCs catapulting their organization to the top of the political dogpile. Organizations are a centerpiece of the campaign, and the PCs would do very well to please read the rules and how they work so we all know what we're doing.
2: (laughs) In that particular scenario, I could see that being very important. Okay.
3: Uh, (laughs) That also sounds like a cheat sheet territory as well if you need to make yourself a reminder on how it works. That's not Um, a bad idea,
1: actually. um,
2: That could be useful.
1: Yeah, maybe we should make some of those. Maybe something for the next difference for different verses, you know.
3: It's not hard. Yeah, um, yeah. So, since there's not a lot of, there's really not that much that you need.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, could at least make a table of the like the, the stunts.
3: Yeah, exactly. And if you have that for all the PCs or you know for all the players, you know, no mm-hmm. matter who, no matter who has the book in their hands at that moment, they've all got that.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Um, Sounds important. Or you can have it as a file that you share if you you know yeah. if you uh, if everybody's digital yeah if you're digital if you're doing like the Google the Google Drive or something like that
1: mm-hmm. or um, even doing like an online campaign
3: right um but uh, as far as it goes I mean it also means that with a heavy focus that uh, a lot of the NPCs that they meet who. Mm-hmm. You just they npcs they're not going to be just npcs they're going to be members of these different organizations
1: mm-hmm. um, or you know mm-hmm. members of nothing and you could they're you're probably going to be seeing a lot of those npcs through the lens of should we recruit this person yes
3: yeah. um but like especially like if there's rivals um oh definitely the chances are they're going to have some kind of group behind them um
1: there's probably going to be a lot of plot Actions being performed against the the play the PCs organization.
3: Yes, exactly. Uh, but that that lone NPC that you think is a lone NPC doesn't have to be, and that's something that the, the mm-hmm. something that the GM is going to have to keep in mind when if they're having yes. this kind of heavy focus.
1: Hmm. You're gonna need uh, stats for like the Blades of Asarian. You're gonna need to know the Bulls Chargers. You're gonna <laughs> need to know uh, uh, the House of Repose and all that. Um, and speaking of all those, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition is actually a very good example of how a heavy focus on organization feels because it's the whole game is about creating the Inquisition and how it influences the world around them. Uh, the war table ensures that there are no fewer than like three plot checks being made in every game session. <laughs> um, and the whole thing is about building influence, gathering friends, and picking perks for the organization, like focuses, yeah, who knows, yes. uh, and building it to greater heights. And even Dragon Age Origins uh, expansion Awakening worked a, li- worked a little bit like this. It was probably more on like the lower end of it. But um, much of it was focused on you being the, for- the warden commander of Ferelden. And um, you've got this—you've got this realm, Vigils keep that you've got to maintain. You've got to recruit new wardens. You've got to keep the roads safe. You've got to make good relations with Amaranthine, uh, and eventually you've got to protect it from Darkspawn because you're Grey Wardens. Spoiler. It's gonna happen. Oh, it's gonna happen. Grey, you're Grey Wardens. You better fight some Darkspawn. <laughs> it's like being a Jedi. You better fight some Sith.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, um, and of course. Uh, a step below that is we call it standard focus, um, and this is kind of where we started with a couple of the organization things. Uh,
2: yeah, we're the, somewhere between standard and heavy at this yeah, point. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the PCs have probably started their own organization, or they've backed one they favor. Uh, that organization has some enemies, or even just one enemy that, they, that the campaign focuses on. Um, plot checks are probably made once per session, uh, but the, sometimes they're skipped, like if there's a cliffhanger and the story doesn't really call for you to make a plot check for that session. Um you might wait for it for next time. Uh more than half of the campaign is gonna be about the exploits of the PCs only, uh within the context of their within the context of their efforts aiding the organization, but it's mostly gonna be just, you know, following the adventures of the of the PCs.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: the campaign may end with them defeating a rival organization or they may have another villain to contend with. Uh they may have joined this organization to gain the resources to defeat the villain in question. Mm-hmm. Um Another an example of this one would be probably Dragon Age Origins, which was all about gathering an army to oppose the Blight. So it felt a little bit like this. It, you know, there were some organizations going around, but it, the organizations weren't necessarily the, the focus of the campaign. Mm-hmm. The focus of the campaign was getting those organizations to come work for you um, and bringing them all to the Battle of Dederim. And the GM probably handled a lot of the weight of the organization rules, and the PCs probably handled a little bit. And...
3: Yeah. Well, and uh, once. Once, uh, sometimes once there's a conflict that's resolved, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no more need for an organization uh, or that's, or they think that there isn't like after a blight, the, the wardens kind of, they, they shrink and they kind yes. of, they, they go off and do whatever until there's a, they get, they start get feeling that there's going to be another blight. Mm-hmm. Um, so an organization isn't necessarily going to be a permanent fixture
1: oh definitely not Uh, um it's uh, probably gonna fluctuate quite a bit in the campaign
3: but it could be and it could be something like if you wanted to do a generational campaign um mm, which
1: we might do where considering
2: it yeah we know that your character just
1: gave birth i did
2: we we know what those romance companions are for right
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
2: just... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my <laughs> we know we particular relationship is the only one that can produce a pro- like biological progeny. Oh, man. yeah. uh
3: Oh, um, I what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: the only male female. Well,
1: uh, yeah, it's I the see. only. It's the only straight couple.
3: Oh, there are so many different answers. I wasn't even going to try to guess. <laughs> it's
1: like <laughs> sort right. of
3: like
2: a roulette of uh, what did she mean by that?
3: Yes, but. <laughs> If, I don't
1: want to touch any of these options.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to have a generational campaign, like the Pentagast, for instance. Um, okay. The well, that's Pentagast, a good example. I didn't think about that. It, it, as, a, as an organization, you have this family, um, and its members are known for this particular thing. Some of them actually are involved in it. Some of them fall away from it. Some of them yeah. might might end up going back to it. Um so that could be a nice way to, to kind of pass on a legacy to and, and to have new characters start out with connections
1: that mm-hmm. that they
2: wouldn't ordinarily have.
1: Yes, definitely. It would
2: also make the PCs playing them maybe feel a bit more tied to the campaign world right off the bat. It's, it's true,
3: exactly. You're already part of a legacy. Yeah, um, but makes them feel like they belong. The standard focus is yeah for a lot of players if if they're gonna if they're going to feel like the organization thing might overshadow other things they want to do. Mm-hmm. Then you mm-hmm. can you can go to the standard focus. You can stay there. Um, if if they get really into it and they want to go to the heavy focus, then you could spend some time there. And then if the, mm-hmm. if the if the players start to feel antsy and they want to get away from it for a while, you dial it back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So these, these are the next level of focus, right. uh, The light focus. <laughs> light focus that segues that's how we do them in the biz that's <laughs> so smooth <laughs> uh-huh. um sorry go ahead
3: so uh this is the background basically
1: yeah yeah light focus is organizations probably exist in the campaign i mean of course they do i mean the templars are an organization the magi is an organization they're you can't there wish
2: them out of existence no, i'm afraid They're
1: there but they're not the focus. They're they're in the back. Uh, the PCs are likely not part of an organization, but they definitely will still deal with some of them in their adventures. Mm-hmm. The adventures are going to focus solely on the PCs of their struggles. Uh, organizations are just going to provide you know storytelling context. Uh, if plots are rolled, the GM rolls them in secret and maybe gives the PC some events they can choose to participate in and change the course of as the campaign goes on. Uh, more organizations might not even have stats at all in this kind of campaign. Uh, the GM likely adjudicates everything through the needs of the story, or has a timeline of events in mind already. Um, maybe the GM has even pre-rolled like plots for several months, uh, and knows the organization how the organizations will act without PC intervention. Uh, and the campaign focuses on how the PCs interact with this chain of events. Oh man, um, Dragon yeah. Age
0: 2. Yeah, exactly.
1: Dragon Age 2 felt very much like this yes. uh, because we're focusing just on Hawk and Hawk's allies and how they're just wading through this morass of hurt feelings and <laughs> misunderstandings. And now it's a oh man, we gotta escape the blight. Oh no, there's Canary everywhere. Oh, the mages and templars are fighting. Crud. What do we do?
3: Well, so and...
1: organizations are definitely like doing stuff all the time, but our focus is Hawk.
3: Well, and not just that, but Hawk doesn't actually form a new organization with mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a new banner and you know a, a membership. Really, uh, that Hawk has Hawk's group, and mm-hmm. they and some of them are members of other organizations, like Aveline being the you know associated with the the guard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't go and create their own, own organization to do what Hawk wants to do. Um, right. Hawk is very anti anti other people's establishment.
1: <laughs> it's true.
3: And Hawk is not Hawk a... do what Hawk wants. Right. Hawk is like no no, <laughs> this is all about me um and uh, isn't going to just you know start their you know a, a new organization to do things. Uh but also uh, th- something to keep in mind though, organizations are still so important cuz Hawk is fighting them all game long.
1: All day. All
3: day and all night. There's, Literally all night. Where there's
1: there's gangs in Lowtown. There's the Coterie. There's yeah. the Carta. You know, just can't catch a break.
3: No, you can't. Um, so even if you're not creating an organization, they're still going to matter.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: the,
3: mm-hmm. the GM...
1: They're still going to be there. The but... GM
3: is going to take care of all the, the book work.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, well, and it's also, uh, you know, it's a good time for the GM to sort of keep an idea, like... Sort of get a feel for how interested the PCs become by the organization's plots mm-hmm. and stuff. And if the PCs show more interest, then dial it up. And if they seem like they really don't care, then just keep it in the background. Exactly. Yeah. And you Light
1: can, focus is a great way place to start.
3: You, mm-hmm. you can throttle it, though. You, you, can, uh, you can change things around. Again, you can highlight it for a while. You can dial it back. So it doesn't have to stay on that setting, which is nice.
1: Yes, yeah, that very is true.
2: Nice. And you can always hit the little in-between areas for each of these settings.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, something very important to keep in mind about when you're using these organizations through all these campaign frameworks, these organizations are here to highlight the actions of the player characters. Realms of the organiz- Realms and Organizations as a system is meant to be lightweight because it's supposed to stay out of the way. Um, so please, GMs, make sure that the plots, the growth, and all the moving parts of realms and organizations are only being used to show off the PCs and give them adventures to go on. It's, it's context builder. Uh, the PCs are the heroes, so let them, let them guide the adventure. Uh, the organizations are there to give it flavor and to give it a bit of direction and to give the PCs some choices. So make sure that they stay like that and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't become, you know uh city becomes you know civilization five we're having to you know deal with the political intrigues i mean if your players are into that you should totally go for it but it's it should be to service the campaign and the pcs before anything else
3: can i interject not quite a disagreement but uh oh. an, an addendum to that
1: uh, sure, sure sure
3: all right um i I think that, yes, they can really give PCs uh, a lot of spotlight and mm-hmm. can give them uh, many different choices to make. And actually, organizations can be a great way to reward PCs with all kinds mm-hmm. of perks and people and a sense of being the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are looking to create a sense of a theta, that exists Mm -hmm. that exists beyond the pcs that is running in the background with or Mm -hmm. with with or without them uh and if you want to give them the sense that this is a world that really doesn't you know it it needs them in it but they're not the only thing that matters Mm -hmm. this can this can be a way to um give the world more context Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And to show PCs things that they may not ever be involved in. um, But they can hear about what other groups are doing in other places. And be like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, boy, am I glad my group isn't involved in that. (laughs) Um, And uh, to give the world a sense of verisimilitude. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And, uh, again, to, to show that it reaches beyond what the PCs have right in front of them they mm-hmm. they might hear something that a group is doing that they want to go and stop. Um it, it it can be a way to really grow the world instead mm-hmm. of just growing the PCs. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So, um th- 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 those are th- that was just a concern that I was thinking of um and honestly one of the best ways that you can deal with organizations and all the plot stuff always, mm-hmm. Always put a face to it. If gotcha. if uh, if for instance you're going to steal an asset, you're you're gonna have your group steal an asset, have the PCs meet the rogue that's gonna be in charge of, of that operation. And okay. have the rogue be a person. Have the rogue have some quips with them, ask their opinion. So should I go in through through below or should I try to come above through the trees or or whatever it is, um, I got gotcha. you. Put a face on the mechanics, and chances are your players are going to be a lot more enthralled than if you're just talking about. Oh, you do the steel asset
2: motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that keeping that sort of sense of being inside a world yeah. can sort of serve the aspect of using the uh, organization to focus the pcs simply because the pcs are going to be feel like they're more showcased when they have a rich background that is vibrant and ever-changing and that moves with or without them mm-hmm. yes and they know
1: they're a part of it
2: yeah yes. it's, it's like a balance of creating the world as it you know objectively and tailoring the camera view of it around the characters gotcha. yes that's
3: a good way of putting it yes yes um, so that I just I had to say that though because gotcha. I've done things like this in other games, and like my players, they love the NPCs that they get to deal with for various actions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one we've of the, had a few of those. One mm-hmm. of them, uh, he adores his diplomat, even though she is so stuck up and she acts like she's so unimpressed by him. <laughs> but the minute he is out of hearing. He, she is making him sound like a prince in the
0: world Aww. <laughs> I <love> and, that's
3: <laughs> but cute. To, but when he's to her face, you know oh whatever you know I don't I barely have time for you.
2: What do you want? That's very tundere, I actually. Love it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah when,
3: when you have a name and a face mm-hmm. and, and a person to go with these different growth stunts and things like that
1: definitely I got gotcha. you.
3: yeah. And uh, if you have the Dragon Age tarot deck, uh, the, the card deck that they did for Inquisition. ah, right. That can be another way to on the fly, like, generate an NPC or okay. kind of give yourself some inspiration. Digging it. So I've been using it a lot. <laughs> okay, I was
1: about to ask, do you have one? I have it in my hands. That sounds awesome.
3: I have it in my hands right now, yes.
1: Ooh. Oh, that's awesome. I want one. <laughs>
3: I will send you. S- I'll send you <laughs> a link.
1: They, you know, so do they still sell them? Yes. I mean, is I this don't... is this an, is this an official thing or is this uh, a fan made thing?
3: It's an official thing. It's through Ooh. Dark Horse. Um, oh. It is. They are not ter- standard tarot sized. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they are okay. play, playing card sized. Okay. And they don't have all of the, the tarot art from Inquisition, but they have a good okay. deal. Gotcha. And I was using them last night, actually, for inspiration for my World of Darkness Changeling game. Okay. And they were working like a charm. Nice. For random association. So... Thanks. I I have several decks that I do this with. um, Okay. And I think that can work really well for the organization thing as well.
1: Gotcha. You know? Well, um, speaking of... uh how the organization rules interact with other things yeah.
2: uh <laughs> let's speak of how organization rules interact <laughs> with other things yes um,
1: organizations are a remarkably modular system they play quite well with other parts of the game system dragon age kind of f- matches well all the pieces all the little puzzle pieces together it's great yes um it can you can use organizations for a lot more than just you know plots and uh, and growth and uh Political intrigue and whatnot. You can also use it to, you know, like close. uh, You can have them closely tied to a PC's goals. Uh, For example, maybe a PC's noble house is in ruins at the beginning of the campaign, and one of their goals is to raise it into something better. Um, Maybe they complete the goal when the organization becomes national in scope, or when an ability rank hits six, or when they, uh, when the organization gains certain a certain list of focuses. Um, So that can be so that can give the PC something to work for um, with their for their goals.
3: I already mentioned uh, mm-hmm. that they that organizations can be something like a, of a, a treasure um, that can be something mm-hmm. that the player characters earn um, yes. a reward for them, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I also really liked when I saw this in the book. I'm like you know, you can mm-hmm. give the player characters their own organization. Heck yeah. Yeah.
1: Some <laughs> folks really love that. I personally really love that. I, I love little, doing like little I mean, micromanagement things.
2: I made an organization from the ground up, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I it had is, a good time. Is that on a t-shirt somewhere? <laughs> um, it's about to be. Give me a Sharpie. <laughs> well, it's
3: it's kind of like, I, I, I read this before I had seen uh, Iron Bull or his chargers in The gotcha. Inquisition. And it's like, yeah, he loves his little group, his, his group of people. I think a lot of player characters would feel the same way. So. Definitely. Yes, very different. Be
1: like Bull.
2: Yeah. Well, and the organization itself can be a reward, but you can also get actual rewards within the organization, like, you know, honorific titles and reputation that gets you stuff. Uh-huh. And
1: there's or a even lot of just really cool things. Physical stuff and money.
2: I mean they can actually get you literal things you yes. can hold in your hands. But you know, honor, prestige.
1: Yeah. Uh, performing great Love. deeds <laughs> Yes. Uh, I mean, we know what game we're playing, guys. Come on. Go go, smooch somebody. Um,
2: I meant more like, you know, the love of your people.
1: Oh. but I mean, It can get you that kind that? of love, too. It no, can but... get you the other
2: kind of love, too, I suppose. You I know, mean, I mean... down
3: at the Blooming Rose, love this <laughs> Bought by the hour. It's
2: all the same at
1: the Blooming Rose. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, (laughs) performing great deeds in the organization's name, uh, can earn you honorifics or a reputation, especially if you're at the Blooming Rose. Um, and those, uh, they can, uh, and sometimes they can be honorifics or uh, honorifics that work for that organization specifically. Uh, sometimes your reputation will give you bonuses for uh, people who maybe are in favor with that organization, um, you can maybe even gain, like, the same honorific if you're, uh, if you're having multiple organizations in the same, camp, same campaign. Some PCs may get multiple, honorific, multiple versions of the same honorific from different organizations to represent, like, their popularity with lots of groups of people. Um, titles, uh, especially if PCs are members of an organization, titles can be a very tangible reward for PCs who throw their lot in with organizations and realms, especially if they've founded them.
2: He's gesturing grandly at me, but you can't see it because this Correct. is a podcast.
1: So uh, feel free to consider granting the PCs titles and the wealth that comes with them as rewards for increasing their rank or standing in the organization, um, and it's it fits in really well. Even uh, the book itself even says you know that if the PCs are members of organizations, you can use the rank system to, you know, give the PCs actual tangible rewards and give it a bit more structure, as it were. Yes.
3: Although, can I add one little caveat? Sure. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that the titles system, again, is also mm-hmm. very simple. Uh, yes. I- if your organization has like more of a an, you know a tiered system, you're mm-hmm. going to need to create more titles, but it's not that hard.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we actually we created a third tier yes. for the elven Keeper yeah, yeah. set.
3: I had to do that. Uh, I had to consider um, more tiers because I was looking at the Tevinter Armed Forces.
2: Which right. are
3: definitely going to have more than just three tiers worth of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the, rank.
2: Usually armies have a few more than three ranks of people.
3: <laughs> you, right. Yeah, so that's one thing I ran up against. That's all. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, having something, pull for something, uh, you can have, like, more, like, um more sp- very specific kinds of rewards. Like, maybe if you're really good and really good with the word Merchants Guild you can probably get reduced goods uh, on... Pri- uh, reduced prices on uh, goods for specific PCs. Um, magic maybe, items. Yeah, or maybe uh, uh, those uh, NPCs who are at the top of the organization really appreciate what the PCs are doing, so they hand them magic items as a way of saying thank you. And maybe that organization's got magic items crafted specifically for them, so you can make some unique uh, treasures to come from the organization. Nice. Uh, and make it a bit more real of its own thing. Um, and of course, mass combat fits really well into organizations rules and they even have a helpful table on page 143 and a little sidebar on the top that says mass combat and organizations organizations and mass combat battles i did backwards um they actually have like a little table where you can calculate how many soldiers an organization could muster for uh for for war
2: you know, and uh, I honestly wouldn't try mass combat without this particular setup
1: mm-hmm. because
2: I can't imagine trying to make all of that work. Within
1: this right, setup. just fabricating it out of nowhere. It's 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 def- the organization's even makes that or just having you know, like
2: eighty minis on your map. I mean that too. No, no, thank, no, thank you. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Every we'll talk mini. about
1: mass combat. Right, we'll talk about mass combat later. That I love how mass combat works too. Mm-hmm. It's super cool.
2: But that is a story for another show.
1: Correct. Yes.
3: Um, there's one little thing that I wish there, that there, uh, was in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more thing that I, I wish there had been more of in the games actually as well. And that mm-hmm. is, uh, stronghold building.
1: Ooh, yes, definitely. Because. I would be on board for that.
3: Like you have a few things that you can do, uh, in, uh. You were mentioning in the the DLC where you're uh you're at the Vigils Keep. Yeah. You have a few ways to improve Vigils Keep, but not much. Right.
1: Um, you but... can get them some better armor for the guards, or you can like give this dwarf guy like eighty gold oh, and he improves the walls for you.
2: That's yes, and they should stand forever. Yeah, they better forever. stand forever. you well made them out of gold for the amount of gold that you just put into it.
3: Seriously, and and with how little how little gold you get in Origins, that was just mm-hmm. the, that I, was I I, I don't still, remember
1: if I actually got that much. I might have cheated for it.
3: I still feel the pain of that, but uh, <laughs> the thing is, is um, uh, it does seem like this kind of system could be complemented very well with oh, yes. a, a a similar lightweight stronghold building kind of system mm-hmm. i know some other games have them and i know they can get really really fiddly they can have a lot of little things to them and mm-hmm. kind of take over um mm-hmm. b- but i think that especially with uh, with what we have so far mm-hmm. Keeping yes. this kind of simplicity in mind, we could come up with something very fun.
1: Oh, definitely! You hear
2: that, listeners? Dissonant verses, if make anyone, it happen. Hey, if you
1: anybody's got something written already, send it to us. We'll we'll show it off.
2: And if you don't have it written, we'll fix it. Write
1: it. If you well, don't, we right. will.
2: Somebody's gonna write it. It's gonna be great. Oh yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, very exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. So, okay.
2: <laughs> so I believe that Woo. that is uh, that wraps up our conversation about all those organizations.
1: We gotta go spend all the stunt points for all the uh for the plot we just rolled for this. Yeah, you just got a lot of stunt points. <laughs>
2: for the Wonders of Seth's podcast. Mm-hmm. Global. World spanning.
1: World world definitely. I mean putting it on the internet immediately catapults it to world scope, right?
2: Yes. Yes it does. That's, that's how it <laughs> works. Yes. Of course all of our
1: stats are like ones, maybe.
2: one zero zero negative one zero one
1: (laughs) with uh with uh with the influence focus of dragon age rpg players who have podcasts
3: right specific
1: but we get that plus two
3: it's a very it's a a very small niche Mm -hmm. but it's
2: definitely a niche
3: but it's our niche and we have it it's ours
2: we love it (laughs) so uh uh, oh thank you
1: kismet rose so much for oh sorry go ahead go ahead one last thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, if, if anybody is looking for something to use from Dragon Age in another game, like another fantasy game, I think this little system would just, it would port very nicely into other fantasy settings. Mm-hmm. Like, when I run D&D again, I might be using this, or, or a, okay. a version of this, for gotcha. an organization. uh. So it's, it's definitely worth looking at, whether you're going to run Dragon Age particularly or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I agree. So now yes. you can uh, you can do the, the thank <laughs> yeah. yous and the goodbyes, and oh, God, is yes. this podcast ever going to end? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank uh, you for sticking with us, everybody. Thank you for, yeah. Uh, I think it was a riveting conversation. Oh, yeah, excellent. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on and sticking with us.
3: Yes, thank you for having me, and... uh this, listening to uh, my voice as I am recovering it from my terrible allergies.
1: Gotcha. Oh, yeah.
2: That's a that's a pain in the keister. I tell comes, you what. Spring comes,
1: the rest of the world wakes up, and several of us go to sleep and die. <laughs> yes.
2: and I, I don't have too many spring allergies. I'm just allergic to everything else on the planet. So. I mean. Oh no. But not spring. <laughs> but not spring. Milk, eggs, life, <laughs> <laughs> but not flowers.
1: It's cool. We make it work.
2: Thank you, guys. <sighs> well, thank you thank so you much. So it's much. been so great talking to you about this.
1: Yes. So, uh, thank you, of course, all listeners for uh, Theodosians. I don't know if we got a name for you, but thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to the Wonders of the Thetis podcast. This has been a blast. Uh, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die.
2: And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels.
3: And this is Kismet Rose, who doesn't have a catchphrase yet, but might one day soon if you can stand to hear my voice again
2: Oh, we'd love to have you back (laughs) absolutely we'll be very sad if you don't come back and hang out with us some more you know i think i will be too yeah (laughs) expect this to happen some more listeners this is a good time this is a great time
3: and there's so much more to cover
1: Oh, oh, there is. We got a lot to Goodness. talk about. Uh, when I started planning for this podcast, I had 100 episodes already, like, in mind. <laughs> oh. I, I wrote them all. I just wrote a whole bunch of them down. I think I got to maybe 105, and I cut out a couple ones that I didn't think really had enough substance. So we've got a lot to go through. And, you know, when more books start coming out, we'll have more to talk about then.
3: I'm, I'm not going to wait for books.
1: <laughs> Let's make stuff. No, we've got, we've got our brains... We We're don't, already making campaigns.
3: We don't need books. We just need, yeah. you know, dice and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. And dreams. Dice yeah. and paper. Dice and junk. dreams. There you go. That's
3: all we dice need. Dice and dreams.
1: <laughs> hey, Excellent. that can be your catchphrase.
3: <laughs> okay. You know what? I like it. It works. There you go. It works. Thank you. Dice and dreams, everybody. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the One is the Latest podcast. Uh, uh, we hope to have you all come to listen with us next time. Bye bye. Bye guys.